0: Do you get the sense that someone who covers a team, I listen, this is not a, thank God, it's not a political podcast. We're not talking vaccines here. But does Kirk Cousins have that locker room? Is he a leader? Do people respect him? Like, does he, like, he's obviously, what you said, his record speaks for himself, but do people like playing for him, like, under center? No. Who you betting on? Always on black,
1: Bad stats in the pocket, whole squad fast tags. Send a bookie, tell him bring it from the bag. No, coming for the
2: bag.
1: see to the G. West, West, Coast, Coast, West, Coast, West Coast Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the few in attendance and the thousands listening around the world, let's get ready to gamble. My name is Tony Cavallo. As always, I'm joined by Matthew Dangles, Daniel Antonio, Schaefer the Sharp, Drew Schaefer Crooks, and we are the West Coast Gambled, as a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and the only gambling show that makes You money. We're knee deep in the NFC this week. We are breaking down the NFC divisional previews with our MFK game. Sorry, Mrs. Crookston, for all the cursing, but that's the way we do it here. This week we had the NFC East yesterday, NFC South tomorrow. This is my hometown. I fly the Green Bay flag. I am the part owner. Drew, as well as a Detroit Lions fan, and he'll be licking his wounds for the next half hour, but we're talking about our divisions today, the NFC North. And if you've been listening to these shows, You know that we cannot do this alone. We have help for each division, and today is no different. In fact, we're bringing on a team that is not a Green Bay fan. He's not a Detroit fan. Instead, he's coming from the world of Minnesota, the Vikings themselves. Excited to talk to him, but our guest today can be found on Twitter, at Matthew Caller. He covers the Vikings for his podcast, The Purple Insider, part of the Blue Wire podcast family. He also has a book out there, Making of a Miracle, the story behind the Minnesota Vikings' improbable 2017 season. And I say that with a smile, because as a Green Bay fan, if that 2017 season happened to us, it would just be a blip on the Lambeau fans' radar. But today we have him on the podcast. we might not know his stance on plexiglass but today he's giving us his stance on the NFC North so let's welcome to the show for the first time ever Mr. Matthew Caller welcome sir
2: well i would say that you're right i mean green bay had 2 13 and 3 seasons in a, in a row and the vikings i believe have had two seasons ever that are 13 wins or more <laughs> so i think that that's fair now you haven't had well no you have had a uh, a miracle play in the playoffs it was just that green bay lost the game With the- other way around that's right (laughs) that's right so you know maybe that's maybe that's the slight difference but i'm i'm very happy to be here and talk a little nfc north you're gonna fit right in
1: (laughs) i'm pumped to have you man now are you uh you cover the vikings but are they your team as well do you bleed purple
2: I, I don't. No. Uh, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and I would not say that I was a Buffalo Bills fan when I was growing up because they were horrendous. Uh, they yeah. Yeah. had, I believe they missed the playoffs for 20 straight years, and so that was all of my upbringing there. So I was old enough to have just barely seen the wide right and, and enough of... Mm jim kelly and thurman thomas and things like that but as soon as norwood right yeah (laughs) as soon as it but as soon as that fell apart they were just incompetent for a very long time and like everybody else i played a ton of madden and so i would play with all sorts of different teams and really just ended up loving the league and so even when i got into sports talk radio in buffalo and and got hired there at the station that's the flagship for the buffalo bills i still never considered myself like a fan of the team and then um i've always been a reporter too. So like a, yeah. I, I have a sub stack. I write, I've always written a lot um, for the station websites and been in the locker rooms and things like that. So I take a very like journalistic approach to covering the Minnesota Vikings, which sometimes is not what Vikings fans want. I think uh, they always <laughs> want to be told that this year is our year. And uh, yeah. well, so far they're over their entire existence so we'll Well, see if that changes (laughs) i i do want to dive into that though
1: because i mean you grew up in buffalo so you saw how that fan atmosphere is and now you go to minnesota who also has their own sort of you know the skull chant and everything else going for them it's a very different breed when it comes to minnesota how feisty how fiery is this fan like i mean When you go to New England, I grew up in Boston, you go out, you can ask anyone at the bar of whatever dinner place you're at about the Patriots and you'll have a conversation with them. I assume it's the same in Minnesota about the Vikings.
2: Yeah, it's a little bit different than in Buffalo and what it would be in the East Coast. The East Coast is much more aggressive, diehard like everyone's existence sort of surrounds their sports teams. I don't feel that way with Minnesota. I mean, one of the things is there's like a fatalism to the fan base where they just assume that something will go wrong and they have plenty of reasons to think that like every time they've had a 13 and three season or Brett Favre is here or they go 15 and one with Randall Cunningham, something ultimately undoes that. So there's a little bit of the feeling of when we start each season, what will it be this year that ends up taking it all apart Um, but there's also kind of a I think a a less like live and die with these teams and I think part of it is because they're just not that good. Many of them. I mean, the Timberwolves are maybe the worst franchise in professional sports. The Minnesota oh Twins are the classic, like first round out team. I think they've got 18 straight playoff losses, and most of them are to the New York Yankees. Which, if you're from Boston, you would know about <laughs> what what it's like to dislike the Yankees. But um, it's more of just you're not even a rival with them. They just beat you every single time. And yeah. so I think that uh, the lack of like true competitiveness from any of the franchises here, even. The the Minnesota Wild. They, other than the Minnesota Lynx, we really don't see them compete for actual championships. So there's a very much like, oh, well, you know, they're bad. On to the next one. Yeah, it's and Vikings or so it, bust for a so, lot of people. So that's what it ends up being. It's like there's way more Vikings fans because that's the one sport where they feel like maybe we actually have a chance. And over the last number of years with Mike Zimmer. Uh, they've been on the doorstep a lot and they've been close to being a good team a lot. And then the one year, 2017, uh, I think it's fair to make fun of me that the one good year they have someone writes a book about, Uh, but... (laughs) But 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 yeah that I mean that ends up being what it is it's like well this team for its entire franchise has been consistently competitive and on the doorstep so at least there's reason to believe if you're a Timberwolves fan though it's like what what do you believe in uh, year after year outside of the the KG thing On the bright side now
3: I guess the first thing people can associate with the, the Minnesota Vikings is the Minneapolis Miracle and not Jim Marshall running the football the wrong way <laughs>
2: Yeah, Very that's cool. right. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if we're like right, silver it, it, linings here, you know, <laughs> that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, and that, right, and that was what—that's what the book is really about. Of all the events that sort of led up to that, but I, mm-hmm. I think it's totally fair. I got a bunch of tweets from Eagles fans, just like we beat you in the NFC <laughs> Championship. Like, I know I was there. Can no we one... just
3: have this one thing? Like, please, <laughs> right. This one nice thing.
1: Well, well, speaking of fans that are consistently on the doorstep and like to root for a competitive team, I want to kick it over to Drew, who roots for the Lions. What do you got, Drew?
0: I just want to say one thing about that, that Minneapolis miracle, Matt. So I lived with a diehard. I'm talking a diehard Vikings fan at the time in West Hollywood, California. So I was not with them during that game. However, for that NFC championship, he actually had two of his friends fly out to California. We did the whole tailgate. Of course, I was gambling on the game. I had no dog in the fight. Let me tell you something. I have never, ever. In my entire existence, seeing middle 30s to early 40s grown men look so dire after Nick Foles tore them up. And let's just say it was a long night at the bar and
2: there could have been some recreational drugs uh, (laughs) later on in the evening. It was bad. Well, um, they should be happy that they weren't a Vikings fan in Philadelphia because yeah. walking through that parking lot before the game is one oh. of the craziest things I've ever seen. I mean, there were people throwing full beers at Vikings fans right in front of oh. cops, and cops are sort of shrugging, going, that's fine. No big deal. Stay classy, yeah. Philly. Yeah, yeah. It was, Like It is what you think it is. And we had gone, uh, because at that time I worked at sports radio here, and so now I do my own thing, but um, we had gone on the radio and said, people, if you are going to this game, do not wear your purple. Just wear regular clothes. Just go to the game, and like yeah. you'll be fine. In Minnesota and in Green Bay, it's like this, where the, the tailgates are, are just these nice little let's all eat some brats and like we'll yeah. just get ready for the game Hot outside. Hot bars, very, and everyone's happy, right? It's just it's, it's, it's very Midwestern, and you'd expect that. You'd hope exactly. for that. And so I was trying to tell people, Philly is not like us, okay? They are way more aggressive <laughs> no. about this. And uh, then Vikings fans did the very smart thing of taking their picture in front of the Rocky statue, and it was just like, <laughs> they were just, not, yeah, they walked right into a hornet's nest that they didn't know was there. I mean, this is a city that will throw batteries
3: at Santa, so you kind of, you know, you're taking your life into your hands in a sense when you're going to any sporting event in Philadelphia. My dad grew up in Philadelphia watching the Broad Street Bullies play at, at you know, at the vet and, and seeing, you know, just fight break out regularly in in the stands that is that is philly sports to its core and, and some of that is stuck around <laughs>
1: well the good news is the philadelphia eagles are going to stink this year and we don't know other than the lions who's going to stink in the nfc north but let's talk about it right now i'm going to dive into the marry fuck kill it's time to pick the team that we're going to marry who's going to win this division we're going to go to our guests first who are you marrying out of this division my friend
2: so I was thinking about this in, like, which way you would approach the question. Like, if you're talking about marrying a team, like, doesn't that mean, like, the long-term? I mean, Oh, yeah. Talking, oh, yeah. Just, you're hitching if, your wagon. Like, this right. is a team that you want to ride or die with. Right. So that, to me, I view that as... The long haul, like the next 10 years or five years. Okay. And I, th- I, not just this season, that's how I took the question when I was thinking yeah. about it. And to me, the answer is either Chicago or Detroit, but probably Chicago because they know who their quarterback is. And I don't know whether Justin Fields will be great or not, but if you're hitching your wagon to someone long-term, a guy who with his arm, with his athleticism, his upside, like you can make some mistakes with your franchise, have him on a rookie quarterback contract and win a lot of football games long-term. Now, when we're talking about the other things, if it's short-term for a one-night stand, for example, uh, now that's your Green Bay, right? That's like, this year is it, baby. Uh, it's like the, the Pitbull song from years ago. You're like, hey, it's like, is <laughs> we got tonight and that's it. We don't know <laughs> what's going <laughs> to happen tomorrow. And so, uh, that would be, that would be, uh, them for me. And the one to kill, I'm sorry if I'm jumping ahead here would be, I think the Vikings, because there just isn't really an outlook that says you're going to be great long-term or even yeah. that you're going to be great this year, as much as fans want to get excited about the season. And uh, I have a show covering the team, so I want them to care, but yeah. it's just so hard to get there. I think you, you guys would know the odds better than me, but I think there's like 19 teams that have either the same or better odds to win the super bowl than the vikings and that's just hard to convince people oh yeah you're a very serious contender so i think you want like tear some of that down um, kill that and then, you know, build it back up. And I think a lot of fans even are looking at this season as, well, let's let's view this as kind of the end of an era sort of thing, and then they move on after this if it doesn't succeed. No, I, I want to I wanna stay on that, though,
1: because you did jump ahead a little bit, but I'm fine with that because I am also going to be killing the Minnesota Vikings, and it's not coming from a place of hate, but it's rather coming from a place that I think it needs to be a, a we need to turn over to a new leaf. And I want to know from the insider, why is that? I mean, Kirk Cousins is a serviceable, if not good, quarterback. They have great wide receivers. Dalvin Cook, one of the best running backs in the league. I really like Zimmer as a head coach. The defense took a step back because they got a hell of a lot younger. But they drafted well, and those guys should improve this year. Why do you think that the Vikings will take a step back and sort of need to turn it all over and do something new? Like, this should be working, shouldn't
2: it? Yeah, I think it's not so much of a step back as like, not a step anywhere, um, that this team is sort of in, in its entire franchise history, sort of marred in mediocrity. It's like most of they've stagnated. I, They're very yeah. much plateaued. Kind of, I
3: think at the at the. It sounds like what you're trying to say is they've reached the maximum of their potential, and maybe the only way they get
2: better is to do some serious. You know, cleanup. Right. I mean, going into the 2018 season, they thought, "Well, sign Kirk Cousins, we'll go win the Super Bowl." And they went eight, seven, and one. And then the next year, they have a very easy schedule thanks to Detroit and others like them, and they end up going ten and six. Like, okay, ten and six season, not special. A lot of teams have ten and six seasons. You win a single wild weekend playoff game. TJ Yates has done that before, so that's really not all that special. <laughs> and then. And then the ne- the very next year, you're talking about, like, having a huge, like, revamping of your defense, falling off, going 7-9, and, and feeling like they had to desperately grab anybody who would take a one-year contract on defense. That might work out. It might not work out. But does it feel like, wow, they're just on the cusp of something great here, or they're sustaining something great here, or, like it just feels like a team that's sort of floating around, uh, in the yep. middle there. Of course they have a lot of star talent, but then one cut down after the star talent to the next level if you guys have watched any of the preseason games, I think you've seen yeah. it. Like they, they are just so thin after those star players that it's very hard to see them being an actual Super Bowl contender, especially with a quarterback who I know people don't like the win loss record thing with quarterbacks, but we're a hundred games into the guy's career and it's yep. always right around 500. I mean, he sort of showed you who he is and it's not a perfect roster like Philadelphia, 2017. That's going to be able to elevate a Nick Foles or, or, someone like Kirk Cousins. So I think um, that's why you end up with a lot of skepticism of whether this team can go any farther than being like a 10 or 11 win team.
1: I got you. Schaefer?
2: That was my question to you, Matthew. You know, do you get the sense that
0: someone who covers a team, I listen, this is not a, thank God, it's not a political podcast. We're not talking vaccines here. But does Kirk Cousins have that locker room? Is he a leader? Do people respect him? Like, does he, like, he's obviously what you said, his record speaks for himself, but do people like
2: playing for him, like, under center? No. um, He is not considered the guy. He's not considered the leader of the team, the face of the franchise, even the face of the offense. That's Delvin Cook. I had someone tell me that like Delvin Cook is the captain of this offense. It's not Mm. Kirk Cousins. And I think what you've really seen with the vaccination thing and even recently when they brought in Everson Griffin is there isn't a whole lot of respect for Kirk Cousins from the organization and especially from the head coach. Because if like John Harbaugh did not come out and say about Lamar Jackson, yeah, what a joker. This This guy is for not getting vaccinated. Right. But Mike Zimmer was willing to do that with Kirk cousins. And then Everson Griffin had some very degrading tweets about Kirk cousins. And they said, it's fine. We'll, we'll bring (laughs) Everson in for, for a workout. And Uh, so, and, and what I said on my show was, would they have done that to Peyton Manning? If someone tweeted that about Peyton Manning, would they, of course not. Or Ben Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson, or anybody else. No, no world. He, he is very much, like the quarterback who just sort of pops in and he's your mercenary type of player and has not at any point put the franchise or the community or anything like that on his back and i think even it really showed in 2018 they missed the playoffs when 8-7 and 1 in a year with super bowl expectations and kirk came out at the end of the year in his press conference and said something like oh it was kind of like year 0 it's fine we'll be a better next year and it was like dude do you not understand what everyone thought this season was supposed to be yep. and and then he posted pictures on twitter and i know that i'm sure it's not entirely him running it but pictures on twitter of him on vacation in maui or something it was like do you really care about this or are you kind of just here because this was the team that offered you the best contract and gave you some good wide receivers that's always been the vibe here and he's never taken real command or ownership and he is the same guy that will tell you when they lose games well i just go through my reads and throw it where i'm supposed to and and again can you imagine Peyton Manning saying something similar, like, no. And he and if, and if any other franchise quarterback did, they would get destroyed for it, but it's sort of what you expect from cousins. And I think that there are a few things when we pick apart that win loss record where you can see it, where it's like, well, this is part of it, not having the leadership, not having athleticism, mobility, that if the other team has good on defense, you just lose. And so I think that after three years of this, the sample size is big enough. And then when Cousins says, well, I'll I'll do anything to make sure I can stay on the field. (laughs) Except for getting vaccinated, right? It was just like, Like, will you uh, really do anything? Will you?
1: (laughs) That's the leader I want. Hey, Drew, uh, uh, what college did uh, old Kirk Cousins go to again?
0: actually so he went to Michigan State his mansion uh, I'm, I'm sitting an hour away from Holland Michigan where he's from where his mansion resides on a on a, on a lakefront property and so he went to Michigan State a lightly recruited three-star recruit if you ever seen his recruiting photo as a junior in high school he looks like he's uh, about to get his braces off he's and maybe 16, this so, is maybe uh, this never... is
3: the tail of the tape for him this is a guy who was thrust into the spotlight in in Washington in a situation that I don't think either he or his coaching staff wanted to be in he got had a great year and and I admit I'll hand up. I called him a lead on this podcast. I did. I, and I was wrong. I was wrong about that in the transition. I was absolutely wrong because he has never showed out. He's never played worth his contract, unfortunately. But maybe this is the tale of the tape. And what happens when you thrust these kinds of huge expectations on the shoulders of somebody who's not ready to care, uh, not ready to carry it? Where's Nick Foles now? I mean, you know what I mean. He won a Super Bowl. That's good. They can get a step farther, he actually—well, I say he tripped into a Super Bowl, but people will tell you he won a Super Bowl. I think he fell into it as a Patriots. He's got more fan. rings than Kirk Cousins uh, has. He does group. have more rings than Kirk Cousins. Well, That's true.
0: <laughs> I said Cousins' biggest. Cousins' biggest strength to me has always been since he's gotten this league is his economics. I mean, that dude's made more money and underperforming than any quarterback in history of this league. And I like said, not to not to gawk at that beach house. But let me tell you, that that Holland Beach house is impressive.
1: So I think we've ragged enough on the Vikings. They are my kill. They're our guest kill. Uh, Let's move on back to the Marys, though, because we've talked enough about the Vikings. I do want to wax poetic for one second about my Green Bay Packers. Drew hates when I say this, and I don't like it either. Last dance, they're not the Chicago Bulls, but it is the last dance, last chance for Aaron Rodgers and this franchise. The fact that he can come back to a fully loaded offense once more, if Bakhtiari can get healthy, that could be the best offensive line in football. I love to see two years straight of 13 and three now 17 games on the slate if everyone stays healthy with Aaron Jones back Devante Adams on the outside this offense can produce and the young guys on defense get one more year I'm obviously marrying my team the Green Bay Packers but Matthew Dangles Daniel Antonio you're the only man on this show with a favorite team outside of the division so where are you going with your marry for this one
3: I mean I think it's got to be with the Packers still they have the best roster on paper in this in this division absolutely and Aaron Rodgers again you know I I think regardless of what happened in the offseason, this is, you know, at the end of the day he wants to play football, um, yeah. and where wherever that is, and 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 Green Bay, I, I do believe him when he says he appreciates Green Bay and all the, you know, support he's they've given him and everything they've put behind him. I do believe him when he says, I want to be here, I want to play here, and I think that's going to translate on the field. Um, you know, you still have the best, arguably the best route runner and wide receiver in the league in Devontae Adams, um, and you've got, you know, a, a breakout guy in Alan Lazard and some other dudes at Wide receiver Aaron Jones is back, and I know there's a lot of talk about this. Uh, what is it, AJ Dillon kid? I almost called him Austin Dillon, but that's a NASCAR oh, yeah. driver. Love AJ um, Dillon. And then you know you return you return a lot of the defense. One of the top corners in the league, and Jair Alexander anchors a good secondary. Um, I think this team has a chance to compete in that division. And compared to the other teams, I, I, I think they have the best chance to go and, and win double digit games. Shape the
1: sharp. Are you going to make out a clean sweep? I know how much you hate my Packers.
0: <laughs> well, well, bold bold tank bold take dangles thinking the Packers are going to compete in the NFC North. Um, I know, right? But I going out say, on a limb here. I will, I will say absolutely they have to be my Mary unfortunately. They're clearly the class of the division. I'm not going to I'm not going to expound on it. Um, it. you know the Rodgers off season stuff speak for itself. Their back to back 13 win seasons and uh, and defeats in NFC championship games speak to themselves. I expect them to be back there. Um, I will say Tony, Monday night their home opener. Monday night football September 20th against my Detroit Lions. Brings me back to that unnamed bar in Studio City that's changed their name like five fucking times, the last time the Lions played Monday Night Lambeau when the refs ripped our heart out, ending the season, ending basically any chance Patricia had of doing anything. So it would be poetic justice if the Lions could compete in that game. I don't see it happening. Green Bay Packers, I will marry them.
1: I literally ran circles around that ball when Richard Rodgers caught that pass. I did not believe it was going to happen. Now, Mr. Caller, you married the Chicago Bears because of the length of of, of the of the relationship you're going to have with them. I do believe Justin Fields is an excellent quarterback. I'm actually so angry he's in Chicago because I want to root for him, and now he plays for the Bears. It's going to be tough to root against him and find flaws in his game because I, I think he's the real deal. I had a lot of trouble, though, with my frisky one-night stand pick because I wanted to take uh, Chicago. They somehow won X amount of games last year with Mitch Trubisky. They, that defense has a lot of playmakers on it. They have a lot of people that can make— make changes with one snap of the ball. Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, all these guys are awesome players. But Matt Nagy, former Coach of the Year winner, by the way, probably the worst Coach of the Year winner to ever exist, he somehow still doesn't get that we have a contract with Andy Dalton and we're going to make him QB1. And his excuse given out after the second preseason game on why Andy Dalton will be starting Week 1 is we have to see what he can do in the regular season. No, you don't. This is the NFL where you need to win every game. If you're throwing Andy Dalton to the Wolves against the L.A. Rams defense, I get that. You don't want to throw a rookie against that. But if your excuse is we have to see what he can do in the regular season. So when he sucks and when you lose two games in a row, you're going to make the switch to Nick Foles again like you did last year with Trubisky. This field's kid is the real deal. And I wanted so hard. So hard to have my one-night stand with Chicago Bears and Justin Fields for this year because of the talent they have there, and I think Fields can extend them. But because Matt Nagy is still there, I— I'm doing what I did for the bulk of quarantine as a single man out here in Los Angeles, and I am staying abstinent in the <laughs> NFC North. I am not going home with anybody. I'm killing the Vikings, as I talked about. I'm marrying my Packers for the year. I mean, Detroit, I think, is what everyone expects Detroit to be, and I cannot come to grips with taking Matt Nagy home for the evening because I think he's an idiot. I truly think he thinks he's a genius, and he's just not there. I'm wondering where Matthew Dangles and Andrew Antonio is going for this.
3: Tony, I I could not agree with you more about all of that. And I completely agree that Matt Nagy is reason to doubt the Chicago Bears alone, but... I don't know. They they made the playoffs last year, even with Matt Nagy. And I think eventually, eventually, yes, he's being an idiot about Justin Fields in the preseason. I think eventually he's going to see that. I hope it's sooner in the season rather than later. But I think after the preseason, when he sees what Andy Dalton goes out there and just does Andy Dalton stuff, which we've all seen, we all know what he's capable of, I think he's going to realize what he's got and he's going to make that shift. And I'm, I'm banking on it being early enough in the season that I can say I'm going to fuck the Chicago Bears. And be comfortable with it. We've seen them overpay to move up and take a quarterback before. Mitch Trubisky, of course, right? This is experiment number two, where I think they may be overpaid a little bit, but for a much better talent, a much much better uh, potential talent with a I lot more so. with a lot more upside than Mitch Trubisky ever offered at any point. I think this experiment may work out. They still have an all uh, a very good wide receiver uh, in Allen Robinson, and this Darnell Mooney kid is getting a lot of talk out of camp as well. Cole Komet's supposed to have a come-up this year. Um, the David Montgomery, obviously, out of the backfield, and if they can get Tariq Cohen healthy again, he adds another factor to that offense. And then you mentioned the playmakers on defense, Eddie Jackson, very, very good players. There's a lot to like about this Bears team, and I just I don't, I will. I want to believe that the fifty-three guys in the locker room are going to will this team to a winning record, and that is going to overshadow Matt Nagy's stupidity and what he says about how he's going to handle Andy Dalton and Justin Fields.
1: I just think in the NFC, where teams like the Niners, the Seahawks, the Panthers, the Falcons, all those guys are going to get better, presumably from last year. I don't think you can throw away the first few weeks of the season with the red rifle at the helm. You're going to need every win you can possibly get to make the playoffs, even with a seventeen playoff in the NFC. That's how I see it, uh, Drew. You're the last one to go today. Who you fucking?
0: I'm not gonna fuck anybody yet, because that'll be that that'll be the end. Before I say, it, Tony, real noble of you to stay celibate uh, during quarantine, but you didn't tell Matthew it wasn't by choice. But that's for another day. Um, anyway, I'm I'm gonna stay on the Bears. I'm gonna stay on the Bears here because I am a hundred billion percent killing the Chicago Bears, and this is why you we we beat Matt we just beat Matt Nagy up. I will agree Tony, the worst coach of the year in the history of that award uh after basically, you know, holding uh Andy Reed's uh play calling sheet, he's back-to-back su- eight, 8 and 8 seasons. And again, I'm not going to annoy Mitch Trubisky like this after he torched him in the preseason with the Bills, but I don't think Trubisky was the main issue of that offense. I think it's Matt Nagy and just his pure ignorance like you said with um the, his inability to even like reason and I know you quoted Uh, our boy Warren Sharp, Andy Dalton's preseason drives, three and out, six yards, three and out, eight yards, three and out, nine yards, three and out, five yards. All that is good and well. I'm not ready to anoint Justin Fields based on a couple of sexy preseason games. Uh, There's a reason why he slid in the draft. Ohio State quarterbacks have not done well in the pros. I'm not ready to anoint him. This is my thing. This, This points to me with an organization of dysfunction. They traded up. They traded up in the second round. They traded a second round, a third round, and a sixth round pick to draft Tevin Jenkins, 39th overall out of Oklahoma State, to be their starting left tackle. Guess who's out, presumably for the year, with back surgery? Tevin fucking Jenkins. You cannot make that trade and want to win now and have that happen. That is bad. That is horrible. They're bringing in a 39-year-old Jason Peters to compete for a starting left tackle job. Our boy Hitman has been low on the Bears his entire offseason – all these Twitter GMs that are, are anointing Justin Fields the next god better be right because, as he's, as Hitman has said, this, this roster is not good. I'm yeah. 100% killing the Bears. Nagy's not the guy to lead in the promised land. You, you mentioned Tariq Cohen. I'd rather really have Tywin Lannister run out of the backfield for me, Dangles. <laughs>
3: Jesus I'm not saying Christ. he's the feature. Pe- I'm we- not saying he's the feature piece <laughs> of your <laughs> offense, dude.
1: Where did that
0: pull come from? I loved it. Because um, he's the same size. He's the same
1: size. Well, uh, the same size. I want to go to Mr. Collar, our guest, because we 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 all talked about Green Bay and Chicago at length, and he talked about them earlier. Is there anything that we haven't said that you want to pinpoint on either of those two teams?
2: Well, I think that you guys are right on when it comes to Nagy's decision with quarterbacks in general, even going to Nick Foles last year. I mean, if they had just left Trubisky where he was, they probably get another win or two because Nick Foles was an abomination last year. And I think this has just always been a blind spot of the Chicago Bears. It's amazing how the Packers always have great quarterbacks and the Chicago Bears can never seem to figure out what to do. Um, I think that Nagy is at least as maybe a play caller, offensive design guy, does know what he's doing and I've seen him beat Mike Zimmer's defenses. So maybe that's part of the reason that I think that, um, but this particular decision could really cost them early on in the season. And so I I can't say that this year it's going to go very well for them. The one thing that I I think though, is long-term if it, blows up in their face this year, then they probably move on from Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and have a whole new group. That's in there with a quarterback on a rookie contract. Who's I already think had have another a, a choice. In the NFL. Yeah. Remember how yeah. much so, money they paid Mike Glennon. Right. Right. It feels like the same exact situation. So if they get, you know, start off one and three before giving Justin Fields a chance, and then he has rookie moments and they end up a little below 500 or something, they might just say, you blew the biggest decision that you had to make. So sorry, we've given you enough time. And then I think you've got the golden situation with an exciting quarterback on a rookie contract. And I think it was just insane negligence the way they handled the offensive line. I mean, I think the Vikings have mistaken, uh, made a lot of mistakes with their offensive line. Uh, but this might be worse of taking a guy who holds the ball for a long time at Ohio State and then saying like, ah, eh, we'll just sort of piece it together. We'll figure it out. Like you said, we'll bring in a 39-year-old who's always injured and stuff like that. Like, uh, like that That to me is failure on the coach level for not just saying Fields is our guy from the very minute he's drafted. It's failure on the GM level of not saying we really need to focus on this offensive line. And instead, if you knew you are going to draft quarterback, why did you pay Andy Dalton what you decided? it's a pay him, right? If you had that in mind that you were going to draft a quarterback, that didn't make much sense either. So um, from a this year perspective, I think that that's going to be pretty messy and they'll probably be around 500 as they usually are. Um, for the long term, though, I would want to be the next coach who's taking over for Matt Nagy.
1: No, I- I'm right there with you. I, I agree completely. It's just not going to happen this year. And I wanted it to. I really did. But I'm killing the Vikings. Mr. Carl is killing the Vikings. Where are you guys going with your kill before we get to our season win totals dangle?
3: Uh, I think it's got to be the Detroit Lions for me um, this team has just got nothing going for it really these are twos on any other team they're looking at their looking at their depth chart with a couple of exceptions they've got old dudes Trey, uh, Trey flowers and Jamie Collins who I love who are you know Super Bowl winners with my Patriots uh, but they're 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 not spring chickens Michael Brockers comes in uh, to help anchor the defensive line Jeff Okuda in his second year obviously there's just not a lot for me to love on this team uh, with the exception obviously they drafted Penay Sewell um, which is a great addition to to that offensive line and TJ Hawkinson supposed to have a big year but I just don't see a lot uh, a lot of hope for this uh this Detroit Lions team I hope I'm wrong um I hope I'm wrong because I've been watch watching Dan Campbell um but I'm not sure that even a potentially great if psychotic and scary head coach can replace raw talent on the field which Detroit really doesn't have any of
1: four and a half wins on the season Mr. Schaefer the sharp they are your Lions the second lowest win total on the year where are you going
0: well, I'm going to follow you've already, I've already got my Mary and my kill and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the team that I'm not, I'm going to choose um, I'm going to choose not to be celibate with. Um, and of course that is my hometown lions and I'm not going to get into it it's a rebuild. We're not going to be good for <laughs> one to two years. We have Jared Goff. We're tied to him for two years. We have Dan Campa. However, Let me tell you something. As a proud fan of this fan base, I'm going to leave you with why I'm choosing to have consensual relations with my hometown team with a quote from our new feelers leader, Dan Campbell. And I'll leave it at this. This was his message to Lions fans during uh, Family Fest at Ford Field on August 7th. It's a lot of Fs. Look, here's my message to you fans is this. That's me. I'm talking to me. I want you to envision right now we're all in the backyard because Ford Field is our backyard, okay? And we've got our fire pit in the backyard, right? And so we've got our beer, we've got our hot dogs, we've got our wine, the kids got marshmallows ready to go. All right, let me tell you something. We're going to bring the firewood and we're going to light that flame. And you guys know at some point it gets late in the night, man, and you really want to see this show and see how high this thing can get and see how high it can burn, you've got to. You'll douse it with gasoline, and that's what we need from you. I would run through a brick wall through that fucking guy. Dan Campbell, fearless leader. I'm fucking the Lions. Let's go.
3: I, I'm, I, I love that you still haven't mastered the pronunciation of his last name six months into never. his tenure, into his tenure as, as a Detroit Lion. Campbell? And like a soup? I, uh, yeah, Campbell. Campbell. Campbell, Campbell. Always no been in, Campbell. No one in the history
1: of Campbell soup has called it Camp ever Bell.
3: anywhere has called it Campbell. And second of all, I'm real. I truly am interested to see what it's like to ha- ha- watch a head coach attempt to, to to run an NFL football team while he's tripping on acid. This is going to be a <laughs> super fun NFL season for the Detroit Lions. And and and, and look, as someone who, and someone who's maybe dabbled in a little bit of that before, it's not easy to function on it. So I'll be interested to see how Dan does with that. <laughs>
1: Listen, uh, you can't win football games with cheerful sayings, and I'm, I'm. <laughs>
3: backfire I'm killing... campyard imagery is nice, but it doesn't win football games.
1: I'm not going to kill this team because I think the expectations are where they are. They're only going to barely win four games, and I am interested to see what happens in two years, how long Dan Campbell stays on the job with Detroit. <laughs> it's going to be interesting, but let's move on to the season win total. Let's wrap this show up. Let's put our money where our mouth is. We're trying to win the listeners' money on this show. Season-long bets that you can take right now. Each of the hosts is going to give one, but I'm going to go to our guest first. We, you, you can take a season win total for any of these teams and over and Under where are you going, my friend?
2: Well, I'm not doing this for Drew, but I'm gonna go over with the Lions. Wow! Um, Wow. Here's why: I think Matt Patricia is the single worst coach that I have ever (laughs) covered anything, (laughs) even like tangentially. Amen, brother. Like preach, preach. So, I if you look up Kirk Cousins' quarterback rating against the Lions, he went (laughs) six and zero against the Lions with I think it was 120 quarterback rating in six games. Matt (laughs) Patricia, an alleged Defensive genius, the pencil is in the ear, so very pencil. smart, very smart, right? Um, basically had one coverage that he used for three straight seasons and the Vikings ran simple play actions, found wide open guys, got huge gains all the time. They just ran through them. And I think the entire league did that to Matt Patricia's defense. His players couldn't stand him when they left. They made it very clear how much they disliked him, especially Darius Slay, who's one of the best Detroit Lions players of the last decade, I think. Um, and uh, so when, Reach. when Jim Caldwell was there, they were competitive with the Vikings. They game planned. They And so with Dan Campbell or Camp Bell, whichever way you want to say it. Uh, he may not come across like he is a wizard of scheme and X's and O's, but I think he made very good decisions with offensive and defensive coordinators who will be more responsible for the game planning. And even though they do not have a ton of talent, the one time Jared Goff was really good, he had a good offensive line. And I think if he's given time to throw, he can at least be a reasonably decent middle of the pack quarterback. Now I'm not saying they're competing for the division or that they're good. It's just that, They went from the worst coach in the entire NFL, in my opinion, to let's say Campbell is 20th, like, and let's say his coordinators know what they're doing. Uh, I think at very least what you'll have is less miserable football players who will want to compete. And boy, the bar is just so crazy low here. I mean, he's throwing I at mean,
3: guys like Brashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams and Quintin Cephas. His best target is TJ Hawkinson. I mean, again, you know, look, we've seen quarterbacks make, you know, King make nobody wide receivers, but there are just not a lot of options for Jared Goff who is proven and we watched a lot of him here in Los Angeles has never shown me that A, he knows how to make good decisions with the football, like little things like when to tuck it when he's getting sacked or, you know, and it goes, it goes beyond his throws, just like those awareness things. So that's just the stuff I worry about when you're lacking weapons you know at the offensive uh, on the offensive side it just i don't know makes me worry i hope i'm well- wrong
2: and, no, and I and I agree, like any criticism you're going to throw out, I pretty much agree with. I just mm. think like, can they perform at a slightly higher level by being happier and uh, maybe better schemes? That's reasonable. And can you get to five or six? Can you take one from the Bears? Probably. Could you take one from the Vikings at Ford Field? Like they've been close in previous years uh, under Matt Patricia, but again, they were coached badly. Can, Jared Goff a couple of years ago in 2018 had a perfect quarterback rating on a Thursday night game against the Vikings. So he's, he is not like a a complete schmuck who can't do anything. He can have his hot and cold days. Can you get to six? I think so. I think they can be more competitive than, than being like the tanking lions.
1: Interesting. And over for Detroit from the guest, Dangles, let's go to you, my friend. Where are you going for the season-long bet?
2: Well, Tony, I mean, if the
3: uh, goal of our podcast here is to make listeners money, then I think I got to go with the closest thing to a sure thing I can see in this division, and that's your Green Bay Packers here. Uh, they're set uh, a season-long win total of 10. Now, the price is a little bit minus 150, I'm finding it. You can So you're paying a little bit more for that number, but 10 wins is very easily achievable for this Green Bay Packers team, looking, looking at their schedule, even if they take, even if they split season series with uh, the Vikings and the Bears, and they only take one, and they get both they from the Lions, I think they they probably go two and zero in at least one of those season series. Um, and I, I just looking at this schedule, you know, they play te- they, again. They've got the Lions, they play the Bengals. Um, they've got uh, you know the Browns. I think that they're they're other. They must have the AFC North in the opposite division this year. Uh, they've got the Saints on the road to kick off the season, a game they could potentially win. I see ten wins for this Green Bay team. I'm going Green. Green Bay over minus 150. See,
1: I, I want to take my Packers as well because they are my Packers, but there is a middle section of the schedule where they go to at Kansas City, host the Seahawks at Minnesota, which is always tough, and then host the Rams before they're by. That is a very difficult slate of schedule. If all those teams play up to expectations, it doesn't matter who's playing them. That's a tough slog to, ha- uh, I mean, I don't know. And 10 Seahawks wins, though, always a-
3: play Green Bay tough, you know?
1: Ten wins though in in a seventeen game season. This team is coming off a two thirteen and three uh, seasons. They should be able to achieve that number. You do have to pay money need 11. to make money. They don't on need that.
3: another thirteen and four season. They just need eleven.
1: I'm t- I'm tempted to take the Minnesota under nine because of how much I hate them. But again, that offense is good enough. They could sneak and get a push there. And Chicago at seven and a half. I hate this bet. I hate this bet. But I think I got to go over because no matter what you do, even wow. with Trubisky, they're winning eight to nine games. They they do. They just win these they find a way to beat the shitty teams and they have enough, like you said on Green Bay, they play the same slate of AFC opponents that Green Bay plays, and I think Chicago can steal a few of those games, especially at home. And if they start fields later into the season, they're gonna beat the middle of the road teams. Seven and a half in a seventeen game season is not a lot of wins to get to. They could still be under five hundred and win me money on that bet. So I'm gonna, you know, just bite the bullet, I like it. hold my I like nose it. and dive into an over seven and a half Chicago. Win total. Shape of the sharp. Last bet of the day. Where are we making money?
0: Well, Matthew, I told the guys this is actually the first division that I had two leans. I had two leans circled, and I was going to wait to see our, our our resident expert to sway my decision. And I'll tell you my leans right now. I definitely leaned Vikings over nine for the simple fact that Mike Zimmer, in his eighth year as Vikings head coach, his first year he went seven to nine, and last year he went seven to nine, which I kind of throw out because it's kind of funky here. You know, in in the five years between those those bookends, he's been 500 or better. I do think the Vikings are a 500 or better team. Uh, even nine, I lean there. I lean the Lions under five for the simple fact of I just don't think they're going to be that good. However, you made a lot of great points, very pointing about Fat Trisha. Matt Fat Trisha, I could not stand that guy. <laughs> and you're right. I've never in my life, I've never in my life seen another i like, uh, seen players exit interviews that were so awful, and I do think that our boy Dan Campbell, or whoever you want to pronounce it, could, could he did it. manufacture
3: well
1: done. five wins. How the entirety so, of the United States pronounces it, Drew. That's how we're asking you to pronounce it. Literally
0: since you
3: were five eating so, chicken noodle soup.
0: <laughs> the fact that Tony passed on his Packers makes me – Again, I'm with Dangles here, but back-to-back, 13 and three years, you get an extra, you get an extra game, plus you get a division. I think's regressed. I actually found a little better price, Dangles at 10 and a half. So they do have to win 11 games. I have it at minus 120. I'll take the Packers over 10 and a half. I'll buy it at a reduced price at minus 120. That'll be my best bet for I'd the NFC North. I take that too. I might Packers just yeah. I'll get over that. Over 10 and a half minus 120. I'd rather have yeah. that number.
1: I I, frankly I didn't take them because I didn't want to be a complete homer I think this team wins the Super Bowl and I'm pumped to watch the last dance last chance and rub it in your face every single week of the NFL season but that is it oh
3: and don't forget leave at halftime when they're losing by seven
1: (laughs) that That is it for the NFC North Breakdown, the MFK division. Thank you, Matthew, for coming on the show. You gave us yeah, a lot of insight and honest insight into the Minnesota Vikings. We will definitely have you on as the season progresses. For the West Coast Gamblers, my name is Tony Cavallo for Shea for the Sharp, Drew Schaefer and for Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio. We are the only gambling show that makes you money. A proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And as always, thank you for listening. NFC South comes up tomorrow. you hey, on black bad stacks in the pocket fast Send the bookie tell him bring it from the bag No we coming for the bag
2: Go
3: to the G coast, West, West Coast gang
4: yeah.
2: Who
1: you betting on no on black bass stacks in the pocket hold squad fast cash Send the bookie tell him bring it from the bag No we coming for the <laughs> up deep in the pocket goes down the
0: field for smith oh he got
3: it smith
0: touchdown
1: 85 yards dub c go, go, go. to the g west coast go, go. gamblers
3: go, go, go,
4: go. running should be simple just put on your shoes and go And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet.